Firstly, everybody, hello. Welcome uh, to this session on uh, subcomponent sub level innovation in EVs in India. Okay, the larger theme is leading the EV revolution mantras for startups brought to you by Evangelize 2021, which is a EV innovation challenge. Uh, by the way, I'm Vishal Krishna, founder of the upstreamlife.com. Uh, again, theupstreamlife.com, a podcast series that voices transformation stories in India. I'm also the head of the startup and business ecosystem at the app called Koo. If you haven't tried it, check it out. It allows you to go all native and write in your mother tongues. By the way, back to this topic. And uh, it's Friday the 13th. And uh, pop culture fans, it is time for a thrilling discussion on a topic which is mysterious. And yet it captures the Im imagination of the common man. Tell me which industry tells you that for less than one rupee, one can travel 100 kilometers. It's a mantra flying around. But for that to happen and for that mantra to become a reality, what is India's innovation in this space? Depending on whose numbers you buy, analysts say that China spends that 34 billion on the EV industry every year compared to India, which spends less than 8% of that money to transform the EV industry. And I'm sure it's going to change in the years to come. And talking about this, uh, my guest today, I've got Anupam Jalote, the CEO of iCreate. Hi, Anupam. Hi, Vishal. Hi. I've got Daivik Ashok, who's been a great friend of mine and inspiration. He's been around for 15 years in the EV industry, building bikes even before, electric bikes even before they became popular. And uh, he's built a bike that's less than rupees one lakh. It can go more than 100 kilometers on a single charge. And he's expanding into rural India. He would, he would uh, definitely tell all you startup founders out there about his journey, uh, the difficulty, and also the insights from him would be amazing. Hi, Daivik. Hi, Vishal. Good to be back again with you. Yeah, always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. And I must thank iCreate for uh, letting me be the host today. Guys, I, I want to start up with a very fundamental question, right? You know, the subcomponent level innovation in EVs in India. It's a simple, simple sentence, uh, but where I would love to start off with this question, right? What is subcomponent sub level innovation EVs in India? I think, uh, Anupam, you should take this because you've had such vast experience, 15 years in telecom, VSNL, IDEA. You've been uh, part of Airtel too, and now you're part of iCreate. You're the founder. You know, can you tell us about uh, what, what does subcomponent level innovation mean in the EV industry? Yeah, Vishal, thanks. Thanks, Atan. Uh, so, uh, electric vehicles are not very different from your normal vehicles if you visualize a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. A motorcycle has an engine, it has a gearbox, and it has wheels and a seat and a handlebar. And uh, so, the, the body is going to remain the same, the wheels are going to remain the same, the engine is replaced by a motor, electric motor. Correct. Something similar to what we have in our homes, you know, for pumping water and stuff. So, it's it's a similar motor. Uh, now, you might say that motor uh, is something that all of us can make, but a motor uh, needs to be controlled in its speed. Uh, mm -hmm. As you accelerate and deaccelerate, the speed needs to change. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like the regulator of your fan. So this controller and this motor together, they form one important subcomponent called the powertrain. Uh, then there is, uh, instead of the fuel tank where you fill in petrol in your bike, there is this battery pack, a little bit like your, uh, you know, the laptop battery packs that you could actually uh, pull out and, and replace. 
rather than yes. the modern laptops where nothing can be replaced man you just have to blow up a packet <laughs> of money but uh, uh, so you have those those big batteries but those big batteries need a lot of intelligence to keep them cool to keep them working at their peak efficiency so they've got battery management systems a fairly sophisticated computing device that's another uh, sub component so uh, you've got a variety of these three four unique little bits and pieces inside uh, electric vehicles and then by definition it's got to have a certain amount of smart intelligence uh, location locking uh, telemetry how much battery how much range do you have left so these are largely the sub components but i'd like to draw your attention to the you know the normal petrol diesel cars uh, okay what 40 years ago we just had fiat and ambassador mm. and after that as a deliberate act over the next 3 4 decades india has become very very good at uh, making cars and motorcycles and scooters right uh, more than 90 95% of everything in a car or a motorcycle is actually manufactured in india so that's what inspires me to believe that there is a big potential indian success story in the ev space also now a car is a very complex animal uh, an electric car particularly because most of them are autonomous self driving mm. with a lot of ai and stuff and it's really a big money big boys game but two and three wheelers is is open season you know you could really move in there and rip the market apart so uh, my sense of excitement in the sub components like the motor and the battery and the energy recovery systems for electric two and three wheelers is huge i mean there's massive potential there you're basically saying all this can be localized or at this point of time all this is a uh, globally sourced and uh, this is an, a great opportunity for us and therefore you say it's open season yeah so today everything is important by everything mm-hmm. i mean every single thing is important in in these sub components uh but just like we did it in cars we're definitely going to do it in electric vehicles also uh, and therefore i say that india will be promoting a lot of people so just like uh, devik makes his mm. bikes right uh, electric bikes and i am confident that so, that some parts at least the battery or the controllers he would be doing himself he would he okay. wouldn't be importing right okay. so uh, so we'll have a lot of local entrepreneurs and at i create we bump into them all the time and, and uh, i'll just take a minute to yeah please that was my next question i wanted uh, you to tell us about i create and why why are you leading this yeah well so i create is uh, india's uh, only institution of its kind uh, set up by the honorable prime minister to convert tech innovation into successful enterprises and uh, which loosely translates into being an incubator but we've got a large 40 acre campus labs hostels facilities and a rather vibrant ecosystem there uh, it's it's near uh, ahmedabad you know in a sprawling campus and electric vehicles and energy storage are two very big focus areas of ours so what we are doing is that we've started this uh, grand challenge lasting till february of 2022 called evangelize in which we are inviting people to work on these four sub components of electric two wheelers and three wheelers uh, the motor the battery the energy recovery and the intelligence for the vehicle and uh, anybody can come in with their idea or their design simulation and participate and there are big prizes you know running into crores uh, and the intent is to have this run every single year 
till the ecosystem matures and a lot of entrepreneurs start up companies which you know not only sell motors to india but export them all over the world uh, the controllers the battery management systems all of them we should be leaders in the world you know i want you to draw an analogy between the early late 70s and the early 80s when our automobile ecosystem was fledgling and this is exactly how it began right yeah. the government yeah. backing all these vendors to to you know today most of indian cars are 98% localized right yeah. so why is why is this important can you talk about uh, the impact that that this will make so just take one small uh, little motor it's a 1300 crore uh, import today when hardly any uh, small um, or large electric vehicles are sold in india mm-hmm. so it's a straight import substitution of that magnitude just one subcomponent now batteries are roughly four times five times uh, as expensive mm-hmm. so we're looking at a multi billion dollar market just in batteries alone and this is just the indian market which is very slow and uh, small right now it's slated to grow at more than 25% per annum and then look at the international market right uh, asia pacific africa so many other countries and the world is looking for alternatives to china so i'm guessing these are good times ahead for us yeah and these are great times for people uh, listening to this who want to be entrepreneurs uh, guys go for it and uh, obviously there'll be a q and a session in about half an hour Uh, which will be amazing for you but let's get into an entrepreneurial point of view anupam himself has been an entrepreneur but interestingly divik who's is built evs for 15 years he can give you his experience he can talk about the subcomponent level manufacturing divik what has been your story uh, i know it's i mean we can discuss this for hours but what has been your story in terms of innovation and uh, and what are the points that you would agree to with anupam about subcomponent level innovation to happen within india and the opportunity and why you as a manufacturer need uh, need vendors who can innovate with you go on divik over to you thanks uh, <clears throat> thanks vishal vishal uh, first and foremost i mean like you know when you look at electric vehicles right uh, i mean automobile by and large as an industry has not really changed for the last 4 to 6 generations so with with the advent of electric vehicles you are looking at a change which has not really happened for the last 4 to 6 generations i mean that's how deep and how entrenched this whole industry is and also recently there was this one uh, person by the name of Colin McCracker uh, he is the head of bloomberg new energy finance where he said even today even as we look at it today the current ev share in the whole global vehicle mm-hmm. is primarily driven by two and three wheelers which is at 25% the next highest is buses which is driving it at 16% now okay fortunately we in india are a two wheeler rich country if you look at the number of two wheelers for every 1000 in india it's close to around about 732 and that by itself translates to a huge opportunity now that said like what uh, like what anupam uh, did mention Yes, when we started off in 2009, we had to import the whole, the whole product uh, by and large. And at that point in time, I mean, engineering was relatively low. We, I mean, even even as early as 2006, uh, even as uh, even as early as 2016, we did not have talented people in this industry itself. Which means the dearth of talent in this industry is going to be there for a very long time. And even with the kind of an exposure that I create gives. you know 
even if you do not be a billion dollar company by the end of it the knowledge that you end up gaining that itself is huge by being in the space now ever since we started off in 2009 we were completely importing 2016 is when we started uh, looking at india as a place it is it's quite easy to get your chassis made in india it's quite easy to get your plastics made in india because these are your these are also a part of the whole subcomponent structure which already does exist but like what uh, like what anupam even mentioned motor that constitutes to around about 4 or 5% in terms of cost and that is again important and is there potential to make in india definitely yes because we've been a market which has been making motors right i mean look at it look at it from fans look at it from uh, pumps you know motors are already made in india now the whole thing is a completely new uh, line a completely new setup a completely new vision needs to kind of come in there when you're looking at it from a motor manufacturing when you look at it at a battery pack level that is where i can probably talk days and days together because that is where there is a huge potential for startups to kind of innovate because today when you talk about import which country are you really importing your components from china the biggest, no, yeah the biggest importer is china right and what works in china is not something that will work in india like you know you just can't bring it in from there and you know can set it up here do you want to explain say, do you want to explain that yeah please yeah yeah why would i say that is primarily i mean today when you look at india india as a country when you look at it from north to south east to west whether beat the temperature whether beat the way people ride whether the, whether beat the congestion on roads because of which because of the congestion you're again going to accelerate more you're going to decelerate more right uh look at it from a temperature perspective i mean what is in bangalore which is a place that i'm in is completely different from the way the temperature would be in delhi right so this sub level the sub component level innovations in terms of either cooling the thermal efficiencies of batteries the discharge rates of batteries all of this there is a huge huge potential because you just cannot import technology from elsewhere and kind of say okay one size fits all and one great asset that india really has is the software piece which also uh, was uh, was also something that anupam kind of got out right and today when you look at it when i even made my first comment when i said you know it's this whole four to six generations of uh, transformational change that is happening today an electric vehicle is a means to an end of data capture telemetry is one small portion of it i mean if if you ask me in terms of portions of you know how much important is telemetry i would say probably it's at about 5 to 8% important there is so much of ai and ml like today if i run the vehicle for about uh, for about 15 days i would know how long the battery would last that's the level of uh, uh deployment of software that's actually gone into an electric vehicle itself so i mean even if you ride it for 15 days i will know that the battery would last for at least the way that you're riding i would know that the battery will last you for about 6 years so you know these kind of software ai ml led innovations in an electric vehicle there is a huge huge potential so i think we're at the right cusp i would say uh, I, would, i would probably say building an electric vehicle is you know 1/10th the challenge the 9/10th is still to be made and i think we're just about getting started uh, vishal can you, can i jump go in go on anupam you should jump in please yeah, yeah. so i loved uh, 
the way devik uh, put it uh, and and what brings to what comes to my mind is a fact that most people don't realize that this electric vehicle business is something that can be done at reasonably large scale on a very small investment and by people like you and me you don't have to have a mega factory in fact if you follow the trends uh, globally there is this uh, significant movement away from me- mega factories even in electric cars and in two and three wheelers uh, small uh, but intensely knowledge led initiatives can start off and like devik was uh, devik was mentioning about the intelligence that goes into batteries and the telemetry being being thrown up and he rightly pointed out that's again our strong suit machine learning big data analytics uh, for india that's hitting us on our strong uh, part right we are really good at stuff like that but even making of a motor essentially it's winding copper on ferrite coils surrounding it with either magnets or electrically stimulated magnets and it does not require a mega factory to do that controllers you use your brains to make a very sophisticated controller that increases the efficiency of the motor and suddenly you've got a lever into the market how do you keep a battery cool how do you recover energy even while you're breaking or keeping the thing cool so open open source you know what apple did to music uh is something that we have the possibility of doing by creating an operating system an open system and operating system for vehicles two and three wheelers uh and then the creative juices of the nation can really uh you know turbocharge the growth in uh, electric vehicles no anupam that's a fascinating point i wanted to stress upon it further when you said you can set up something for subcomponent level innovation at a very low cost right for example the automobile industry for the gasoline industry and the diesel industry grew only because you know there was so for example the engine had 6000 or 7000 parts right and each of them had a specialized component manufacturer who could perhaps start it started at a very low cost right is that going to happen within our ecosystem in the ev industry what would be the general cost like i'm just throwing it up because you know india as young as it is median age being 27 somebody is getting into the mechanical side the chemistry side right uh, what is the kind of investment that they would need to start up uh, for uh, subcomponent level innovation in evs so if you leave aside the chemistry and the cell that goes okay. into the battery if you just leave that component aside then the investments are really low i mean uh, you know i hate to throw a figure and put false uh, thoughts into the minds of people but to create functional prototypes you might not yes. even need more than 10 15 lakh rupees uh, okay let's just take a very specific example you want to make a motor uh-huh. or you want to make the inverter and the controller of the motor you definitely do not need this kind of money and should you actually prove uh, you know create a few pieces that work and can be tested and once they are tested there are more than enough large manufacturers or venture capitalists who would invest in you and help you set up your manufacturing but the challenge is in selling so you always need to work with potential buyers so that means the guys who are actually making the vehicles 
because the people who are making and selling vehicles are always looking out for lower cost, better, more efficient substitutes. So if we focus on efficiency and cost reduction, we're definitely going to be able to create a market. Okay, this is where iCreate comes in, right? You're going to get ideas that can be VC funded because, you know, traditionally the VC world has always been driven towards high growth, consumer led mostly and B2B and B2B SaaS, right? That's been, and EdTech obviously, that's been the traditional uh, side of it. And the old narrative, like you said, I like what you said, you don't need a gigafactory to actually, and that kind of investment to say that, you know, you'll only make it if you set up something that big, right? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I want you to tell me, how would this how would this piece out together? I mean, wh- where are we in that journey? Are you getting great ideas within the subcomponent level innovation? You know, do you see this taking, I mean, it's not a one or two year journey, right? Like a SaaS business or where, you know, it starts paying you in the end of uh, 12 months or a consumer business that will probably never make you money, but you'll get great valuation, right? Mm-hmm. So this, what, what, what is this type of business? What is the timeline for this? If somebody sets it up, uh, I'm glad you said the PMO has set this up, right? And supported by the PMO. And, mm-hmm. and basically this is to drive the country towards the next 30 years. Correct me if I'm wrong, Anupam. Please, over to you. Uh, absolutely. So uh, when you think of uh, innovation in EV, you typically think of Bangalore and, and rightfully so. But you'll be surprised to know that in the past two years, uh, in Baroda, there's a company which has started making BLDCs, which is your standard uh, electric vehicle motor. And now they're scaling up to manufacture them in, in lakhs and lakhs for uh, three wheelers uh, in Baroda again there is a company that manufactures um, battery packs nothing new there there are so many of them doing it but uh, this person has mastered the art of sorting out the bad cells and the medium cells and the good cells uh, because see when you buy cells uh, from China everybody can't afford to buy the most expensive cells and then you and I would never buy a battery made from those cells so he sorts them out and then creates categorized batteries, you know, a cheap battery, a medium battery and a damn good battery and prices it appro- appropriately. And so he's created a niche for himself. So the time to start up a business like this uh-huh. is about two to three years. It takes you a year or two to understand the technology and then you ease your way in. By the fourth year, you can be in fairly significant revenues. That's how short this period is. But if people are thinking that startups will make money in six months or a year, that's not going to happen because you're coming from the knowledge side. Yes. You're not buying things and snapping them together like a Lego brick. (laughs) You're actually creating the knowledge and therefore that takes time. Okay. Well said. I mean, I want to go go to Daivik. Daivik, quickly talk to me about the struggles. If you can break it down quickly. I mean, I'll tell you why struggle because you personally shared your experience with me. Uh, You talked talked about talent specifically for this industry, right? Can you mention some of the areas where you would require help and how can these ideas become part of iCreate and therefore help you in the process too? It would be wonderful to know, Daivik, please. Right. Uh, Vishal, the way way that I've seen electric vehicle industry, right? I mean, the first, uh, so, I mean, I've characterized it as three, uh, three death curves is what electric vehicles will go through before it becomes mainstream in India. The first is something that we've already gone through, which is what I was also a part of, but somehow kind of survived, 
which was electric vehicles operating on lead-acid batteries. Lead-acid was a brick. You just put them in, you connect them in series, and the, and the vehicle runs, right? Uh, there were challenges there as well. A very, very well-known uh, battery maker in India was also importing batteries from China with his name on it, and he was trying to push it out in the market, but he failed. There were two companies, uh, both from the South, uh, which relied extensively. Uh, one has actually come back in with the lithium, uh, lithium battery-based vehicles, uh, a, a, a very big OEM as well added, right? They relied on what was being given. Now, that was one company. And the other company, again, was another, uh, another, uh, another uh, big company in India, which also came out with batteries, just buying it off uh, this uh, big known manufacturer. Now, you can be a commodity-based business saying that, okay, you know what? I'm going to go on a brand name and I can put it into my vehicle and I can run. Now, I would always say this and I'll again repeat myself. There is an extremely thin line between, an, between a good electric vehicle and a bad electric vehicle. And a company needs to really know what are the components which goes into a good electric vehicle. Now, that said, Making a battery pack seems to be an easy job, but anything which looks easy is what is more difficult. A B2C company, which is making electric vehicles completely connected, north of one, one point, above 1.25 lakhs, they took close to around about four years to perfect their battery pack. We took close to around about three, three and a half years to perfect our battery pack for the Indian conditions. Now, this is a hardware in loop. What I mean by this is when the vehicle starts running, you're collecting data, you're looking back and you're improvising your battery on the go, right? So the way that I look at it is, you know, it takes immensely long in terms of a cycle, which can be cut short by simulations, but again, simulations to real world performances, again, vary. Now, that was my first big challenge, which is making sure that the battery gets made here, making sure that it is made to your requirements and your conditions was one of the biggest challenges. And again, vetting that with uh, a software-led approach, which is a simulation-led approach to a hardware-led approach, which is the vehicle on ground. You know, so a cycle of actually coming out with a good electric vehicle is quite long. Now, <clears throat> that said, also answering your next, next point about, uh, you know, uh, raising capital and so on and so forth. One thing when it comes to electric vehicles, we you would have to come in with a mindset saying that, hey, you know what? I'm in it for the long haul. Whether money comes, money doesn't come. If your passion is there, you need to be in there. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, like, you know, we went through our struggles. I mean, it's not, it's not at all been an easy journey. I mean, probably I'm one of those most stupidest people that you, uh, Vishal, I've ever met where for the last 12 years that I've actually run this company, I've still not taken a salary home. And that's the passion that is there for this field. Now, that said, you need to be in this space for the long haul because every single day there is a new technology that's coming in and out. And I'll just give you this with one short example. We had a person on our board, on our advisory board, an extremely well-known person. Uh, his name is Sujit Kumar. You can even Google him. Uh, he held the world record for the highest energy density cell made in 2009 which was at around about 418 watt per kilogram. Today, we're talking 2021. The maximum energy density cell that's coming out commercially made is anywhere between 290 to 310 watt per kilogram. What I mean to say is, 
it is extremely difficult to taking it from a lab scale to a manufacturing scale. And this is a very classic example of it. So if you're not in it for the long haul, I mean, it's just going to be, you know, that many years wasted. But even that waste is also going to add knowledge to you, which is something that India really needs. I mean, it's wonderful. I mean, you're basically saying it is a, it is something that everybody should look at, should risk it. Uh, and I'm glad platforms like I create will encourage ideas and probably also work with uh, manufacturers like you to scale up ideas from small beginnings, right? Uh, today, unfortunately for me, uh, Anupam and Daivik, you'd agree, most of uh, the hires in the electric vehicle industry is going towards the software piece and the fancy narrative of uh, telematics, you know, UI, UX. Uh, there's a lot of talk on that. You, I'm a firm believer that a nation's strength lies in its manufacturing, but when all odds are stacked up against us, especially on the manufacturing side, chips are not manufactured in India. Yes, I mean, I, where does the game begin? Uh, like Anupam, you mentioned, with just 15 lakhs, you could probably look at um, look at a ma- look at a motor, uh, look at uh, you know making making things scalable within that uh, part of knowledge, right? Anupam, so in your case. Do you think we're spending too much time on the software and the bigger companies that have raised money, they are taking all the narrative away. Therefore, the talent also will go there. The, I'm saying this because you need people to risk it. You need, you need policy to say, come and say that, come, let's try a million ideas, let them fail, but we will fund this. You know, we need to create an ecosystem of research from university level to implementing it on the ground, B2B, B2C, Right. Do you think we've spent too much time on software, though? You named my favorite bugbear. <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking of myself riding a bike, and I'm an avid bike rider. I, I have a Harley, and I zip around on that. And and uh, would I be looking at the instrumentation cluster and watching my pants catch fire as the battery overheats? Or <laughs> would I... <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'd probably be happier if the motor is not sounding like an MRI machine. And you must remember electromagnetics. You go into a CT scan or an MRI machine and it clangs and it makes those terrible noises. And we've all had ceiling fans that groan like a death noise. That's because the regulator is really screwing up the magnet and the coils inside the motor. It's the same thing that's happening inside your motorcycle. So therefore, uh, definitely more money and more talent needs to be nurtured in, in these real, uh, the heart of the matter, which is controllers, control systems, motors. So you can still be IT, but not get into the glamorous pieces like UI, UX. You know? But uh, this is whole bunch, like uh, David was mentioning, the state of charge of a battery. So you've got a lot of cells. Just visualize a normal cell that you used to put into your uh, torch, the AAA cell, AA cells. Yes. And you have roughly about 150 of those cells soldered together in series and in parallel, making a big uh, clunky battery. But that's what it is, you know, 2.6 volts cells soldered together, lots and lots of them. Um how much juice is left in your battery? How many kilometers can you go based on your past driving patterns, based on your uh, expected future driving patterns? Now, that kind of intelligence 
requires some doing. It's not just a simple interface, you know. You'll get a simple display up front. But uh, how you compute it, uh, you could get it wrong. And so if you tell somebody you've got 75 kilometers range left, but the bike actually stops in 50, that guy's not going to be so happy. And you remember the bad press that Tata's got when they claimed 350 kilometers and the car actually... Yeah, they were taken to court for it. Yeah, they were taken to court too. Yeah. So, uh, so there is a lot of knowledge needed to be created. Uh, but, but thankfully, the blocks of knowledge are there in the minds of people. Uh, our folks just need to get that exposure, need to get that their hands dirty. And I'm thinking that uh, the more encouragement they get to try things out, you know, just take something up to proof of concept level. You don't have to think of becoming an industrialist from day one. You don't have to think of becoming this glamorous startup from day one. You know, spend six months, spend a year figuring things out uh, to see where your interests lie and actually creating a prototype. Now, the magic of creating a prototype is that when you have something in your hand that starts working, you can think of a million ways of starting to improve it. And that is your the start of your journey of creating knowledge and the world around you senses when you started creating knowledge so people will come out and support people will come out and invest and you really need to be networked and talking to a lot of folks meeting a lot of folks to ensure that you know what they're up to and they know what you're up to it's not as difficult as it sounds uh, it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of heartache occasionally but it's it's a fascinating journey and I would encourage a lot of us to get into it. What is the role of universities here, Anubam? I mean, do you think iCreate would go set this up across uh, universities beyond the IITs, IIMs? Uh, what, uh, what is the urgency with which we need to do this? So, uh, uh, wonderful. I mean, it's very intuitive uh, of you to say because we are working on something called the iCreate Innovation Labs. And we want to take stuff like this across to universities in a three-month program, which encourages folks to work on in the first three, one and a half months to attempt to build a proof of concept. And then in the next one and a half months, figure out how to commercialize it. So a three-month end-to-end, getting your hands dirty, getting your feet wet kind of uh, uh, program. Uh, taken across all institutions across the country. Okay, wonderful. Uh, you know, I think I think it's time uh, to actually let some questions. I think we've set the framework. I think it's about people who are attending at the more than 60 people. I think everybody is, would have great questions. Uh, uh, Shamana and Payal, uh, how do you think, uh, how do you think we should go ahead with this? Uh, Shamana, ask people uh, to come on board and ask, uh, raise hands or something. How does this work now? So, Hi, Vishal. Yeah, I think we should do that. Uh, we can just ask whoever wants to ask a question. They can raise their hand and then we can bring, bring them as a speaker and then they can just... Yeah, guys, co- it's about you guys. Please come and talk about your ideas because that way Anupam and Daivik can really guide you rather than us going on about... Because knowledge is out there, right? It's about your pain points that we can address here. So please just... Uh, uh, you know, ask someone or somebody who could let you in and they could start asking questions. Uh, before that, Anupam, I want to talk about uh, where is the current level of, uh, uh, you know, the IP in terms of patent filing in this industry? Uh, is it growing significantly? Uh, where are we? Daivik, what about you? Have you filed for any patents? Where do we stand? Uh, Anupam, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, 
there are patents uh, filed in keeping battery packs cool in even configuring them for uh, better running for uh, local conditioning lo- local conditions uh, i'm looking forward to more work done on motor controllers because that's where look at it simply battery is a store of energy but the motor uses the energy and if the motor is inefficient or if the controller is inefficient it wastes a lot of energy so you can lug around a big battery but your vehicle won't go very far so i'm looking forward to ip and patents in this space uh, quite a lot because that's going to be the breakthrough that we seek you know divik any thoughts on that end on the ip front please yeah uh, vishal i mean like like uh, what i even just uh, I, what i mentioned when i started off right uh you know what works in china is definitely not going to work in india which means you would have to innovate for india i mean we as a company we filed close to about 22 patents out of which six of them are already grants majority of them like uh, like what uh, anupam said uh, we, there, there are about uh, there, there is about one which we've already gotten a grant which is in the motor controller space four of them uh, which we've already gotten a grant are in the battery space there is one in the whole connectivity space which i mean i'm i'm just talking about the ones which is already granted right so one great thing that india has actually done vishal over the last uh, i would say last 3 to 4 years is india is looking at improving its ip portfolios today when you look at it uh, when you when you talk about the us when you talk about europe by and large and then you talk about china you know you're talking about us as a complete you're talking about europe all the countries in europe as complete and then you're talking about china china still holds the maximum number of patents in the whole ev space now that is where there is an opportunity because whenever whenever you look at a chinese patent i mean because we read quite a bit of these patents about what has been working and what has not worked with other technologies we very clearly see that they're only looking at it from a china perspective so taking that looking at what improvisations can be done to india again improves the overall tally of ips that can be created in this space and also the government has been very forthcoming like i still remember uh, i think this was a third patent that we applied from the application to the grant generally would have taken close around about 2 and a half to 3 years we were able to get the grant in about 8 months that's how fast india is kind of acting in on patents to be granted in india so it's a great space to be in like sir again knowledge precedes the ip and gaining knowledge is what's key right now okay i want to quickly want either of you to either refute or say that this is okay a lot of people especially in the vc world say that india can never lead the manufacturing race in this current world we have we have knowledge in terms of people who can build ai uh use ai within you know within components assembled uh what do we stand to lose if we don't manufacture for the ev industry going forward uh and anupam probably you could bring this in are we going to miss the bus in something because anyway all the raw materials anyway come from china and chile also like you said mm-hmm. uh the race to own commodity right that becomes important uh what are we going to do or should we stick to ai and our software component or should we say we are going to change the entire game today mm. well i'm glad you mentioned ai because 
in AI, we are so far behind on the curve that it's not funny anymore. And it would be terrible if we missed out on EVs for various reasons. Number one, it's uh, within our power to actually get on it. It doesn't require, like I said, gigafactories, megafactories, or humongous amounts of capital. It does require designers. Now, all of us uh, have ridden around on Bajaj scooters. Uh, well, your dad's at least, right? You didn't. And, yes. uh, um, and <laughs> if, if you talk to them, then you'll find out that the Stepney, the spare tire, used to be hanging on an L-shaped piece of iron on the rear seat. And after a year or two, it would fall off. It was a badly structured piece of metal, metal fatigue because of the vibration. It would cause it to fall off. In 35, 40 years, they never corrected the problem. And every time we bought a scooter, we'd go get uh, angle iron welded underneath the stepney so that it would not fall preemptively. Now, that was our level of designers uh, <laughs> at that point in time. But here we've got a Devic, we've got um, an Aether, we've got an Ultraviolet, and okay. we've got people who are staking their reputations saying, look, we can create something which is not only best in the world, but perhaps best for the world also. You know, we're conscious about the greening the environment and not spoiling it even further. So whether it is from environmental considerations or sustainability or job creation or just financial opportunities, it would be tragic if we miss the bus, but I'm not getting a bad feeling. I sense we are not going to miss this bus because uh, so many of us can reach out and actually do this stuff. Uh, I, I'm repeatedly trying to give one reassuring message. Yes, we can. Actually, we can. We don't have to miss this bus. And uh, the, there's so many of us who can simply start focusing, reach out, talk to all the people who are already in the business, read a lot. Knowledge is so freely available. We're not going to miss this bus for sure. Right, guys, again, may I remind you, please raise your hand. The show is actually about you. It's open for questions. So please raise your hand because I would want you to leave with, you know, your ideas being, you know, at least given some credence by Daivik and Anupam. Uh, you know, you might want to raise your hands right now. and The moderator will uh, let you in. Until then, I will continue. Uh, Daivik, do you think the funding ecosystem, let me cover that quickly. You have been rejected by so many people. Let me say that. I'm not saying it because you've not been able to raise money, but one of the biggest uh, petroleum companies in the world has now backed you, at least as an angel investor. You know, what has been your experience while raising money, uh, be it with banks, be it with, uh, be it with VCs, and be it with PEs? I know you also have a factory, so you would work, talk to PEs at some point in time. So go on. Over to you, Daivik. Uh, Vishal, like I said, I mean, for me, it was not only about raising money, right? I mean, if it was only, I, mean, I, I think raising money has been glorified. You know, if you raise money is only when people think you've arrived. But at the end of it, even without raising money, I mean, I'm, I'm actually happy that I've not raised money because that's taught me the word frugality from a completely different perspective, right? Now, one, like what you said, I mean, we've gotten an early backer with an oil and gas company. That said, now there is a war between another oil and gas company to buy out the early investors so that they come in with a much higher degree, uh, much higher uh, investment uh, itself. So 
now i would say that you know i am in the driver's seat because i've waited for this long so i might have lost the battle but i have a feeling that i'll win the war so i mean it's it's never to be disheartened i mean if your if your goal is only about raising money and then i'll kind of keep it going then you're already started off with the wrong foot but for us i mean it was not about only looking at raising money raising money raising money right so i feel that you know today we're at a much better position than the companies which have already raised money yeah i mean it's such a valid point that that you're bringing out you should be in the business of raising talent raising knowledge money is an enabler it's like putting fuel in your tank when you want to go from place a to place b and if you've got the knowledge and the talent money is going to come i mean uh, i've been uh, a startup and i sit on the side of the table when i invest in startups and it's very very clear when we look at a startup whether we should invest or not number one adjectives scare and worry me when somebody starts using buzzwords and adjectives that we're going to leverage uh, this particular technology to open that particular segment and value add by using this i start getting worried and i'm looking for clean simplicity we can do this very well we cannot do this very well and putting these two together we hope to be able to deliver x this value to this segment it's like saying i can make a lighter motor i can make a battery pack that instead of being used for 80% of its capacity can be used for 85% of its capacity you did know that, uh, know that right that uh, if you have a 100 ampere hour battery it, it will probably only give you 80 because you don't deep discharge it and you don't overcharge it so there are so many little nuggets where people can work you know as you understand the complexity of the system and start innovating on small bits and pieces of in- improving efficiency so when you add a value to somebody else's business money will follow you know you mentioned some good names like ultraviolet ether you mentioned go green divex company of course uh, you uh, and you know i i have seen you know log9 as a company that's come in as well you know i want your thoughts i mean are you getting good ideas onto this evangelized program that you've started you know and it's it's a long term program focused on innovation for electric vehicles what sort of ideas are you getting and give us some color by the way guys let me remind you again i don't want to be asking any more questions because the show is about you please raise your hand and one of the moderators will let you in guys please come on and just say hi please come on okay anupam over to you divik you can uh, take this Vishal, question Vishal. sorry anupam anupam before you come in i just want to answer this small i mean this question with a small little snippet please please uh uh vishal back in the days when we did not have an i create when we did not have labs to test and so on and so forth i still remember i mean i live in bangalore and there's this place called sikri c c r i which is in karaikudi which is at least around about 480 500 kilo 520 yeah it's long. in tamil nadu yeah it's in tamil nadu i still remember driving all through the night to get to sikri just to stay back in there to test the batteries and come back that that was how bad the industry was back in then i only wish if anupam would have come in probably a few years earlier would have had much faster growth in the whole ev space 
Anupam, over to you, Anupam. <laughs> That's well said. Anupam, go on. Quick thoughts before we ask Shubhangi to ask a question. Go on, Anupam. Uh, okay, so we're getting a lot of uh, applications and ideas in the battery management and the battery space. Uh, we would like to see more of them in the controller, motor controller, and the energy recovery and the overall vehicle intelligence space. There's so much to be leveraged there. Uh, but we're getting some good good applications already. These are early days. So, yep, good, good stuff coming in. Okay. Shubhangi, uh, let me introduce Shubhangi. has uh, been in the comms industry for many years. And uh, hi, Shubhangi. Over to you. Daivik, Anupam can answer your question. Go on. Hi, Vishal. Uh, hello, Anupam, sir. Uh, hi, Daivik. Um, uh, <clears throat> my question, actually, I don't know much about this space. I don't know. Um, I'm... I'm layman at best but i just wanted to know what has i create as a startup incubators experience been uh with evs i mean have you seen any successes what uh has it been till now yeah it's been uh it's a very good question uh very early to see mega successes but uh we've had one project which now makes cargo electric bicycles it's out in the market it's it's pretty nice uh it can carry a pass a driver plus 100 kilograms of weight for 50 60 kilometers on about a unit of electricity charge uh, so that's out there in the market and we've got some nice uh sub component level and trikes three wheelers um battery management systems uh so yeah uh successes perhaps not as yet but experiences huge amounts uh vision assisted driving vision assisted braking um o- o- automation of a lot of functions uh and of course uh, regenerative braking hybrid energy storage so early days i'd say but um, good progress made sure thank you so much no problem. you guys should try out this bike it's it's a very nice uh, what's it called again anupam that's like uh this bike is called orita and the company is of course the one only elons they named it after elon musk because they were so inspired so the company is called elons private limited and orita is the name of their bicycle That's yeah so cheeky. we uh, we we got one of those bicycles and uh, it's there i will try it out one of these days but thank you so much uh, for having me and asking uh, for letting me ask this question thanks shubhangi Thank you. Hi Arshit, how are you doing? Do you want to ask a question? Go ahead. Yeah. Uh so one question that I had was there's a lot of innovation that's happening in the EV space. Uh we we see a lot of bikes, we see a lot of scooters coming in. But not much is being um uh, done for the charging infrastructure and which which is quite important if we have to make uh, EVs mainstream. so uh, what are your thoughts on that is i create uh, and go green doing anything in the charging infrastructure space a brilliant question harshit i mean really spot on uh, so so charging actually will have to lead the way because uh, range anxiety and that's the first thing that people worry about now uh, charging is a business which surprisingly rests on two levers a it's a real estate problem where are most of the electric vehicles stationary for long enough period to be charged even a uh, the fastest fast charger would still need 45 minutes or to give you a 50 60% burst of power in your battery so 
where do you have access to land where vehicles can be idling for north of an hour and second is uh, how much are you able to sell per unit of electricity for because a two wheeler typically has a battery which is fully charged in uh, one to two units that's it now your domestic electricity comes for 7 rupees a unit so i don't envisualize uh, envision somebody setting up a battery business uh, a charging business to sell you 14 rupees of electricity over a two year uh, two hour period so obviously they have to charge you more so we as users have to be willing to pay a higher rate and they as sellers have to uh, find a compromise uh, so so those are some of the challenges but there are some fascinating energy storage technologies you know uh, i let me give you a very crude but very powerful uh, example you take a tata magic on its uh, load carrying back you put in a lot of batteries and you put in dc dc fast chargers and suddenly you've got a mobile 1 megawatt charging station no matter where you drive it you plug in two wheelers three wheelers and they get a dc dc burst of fast charge so there are so many creative solutions uh, i come from telecom and telecom really exploded when we started getting the panwalas to sell rechargers for prepaid so now why cannot a panwala each panwala have one or two charging stations uh, it's a neat sum of money in in a day if that guy makes an extra 200 rupees he's not going to be unhappy right so a lot of creative solutions will have to come from the people this is not something the government can actually put in place because when people start talking about putting charging stations on petrol stations i lose it you know because petrol station may where are you going to leave your vehicle for 4 hours 3 hours 2 hours to get charged you hardly have space for four vehicles there at a time so we've got to get very creative about charging stations but it will happen thanks anupam that was very um, insightful yeah. actually that point i just had a point to add to that same question uh, yeah. today when you look at electric vehicles right we're at the start of the whole journey what i mean by start of the whole journey is these are intra city commute vehicles right even if you are to buy an electric vehicle you'd probably buy it to travel in whichever city you are in right now for an intra city an infrastructure play is not i mean it's a comfort but it's not a necessity so where do charging stations really come in is when you're looking at longer distances of travel when you're looking at taking an electric vehicle as an inter city mode of transport so that said even today uh one of the companies which has gone out setting out charging stations they did release a report saying that 98% of them are not being used it's only 2% utilization rate is what it is at so primarily you know before we were calling it the chicken and egg situation but today even though the egg is kind of come in in certain small pockets it is not something which is there as that much as it is a necessity itself i hope uh, this given a little more clarity as well each of these yes. topics is so vast it's an individual discussion uh, thanks arshit uh, thank you so much uh, if you want to hang on you can hang on if you have other questions too but we've got pradyumna pradyumna how are you go ahead ask divik and anupam your question please thank you so much hello everyone uh, so uh, i want to know your thoughts on retrofitted electric scooter 
डोमेन एंड विथ ओला इलेक्ट्रिक एंड इथर एनर्जी इथर एनर्जी लॉन्चिंग देअर स्कूटर्स इज देर एनी स्कोप ऑफ सक्सेस इन दिस फील्ड devik you have views because i've got some very strong views here <laughs> i would like to know that uh okay anupam i'll 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 go in i'll just can uh, i take a small quick pot shot uh pradeep when you look at okay i'm just i'm just stepping back in and i'm talking to you from a design perspective when you design a vehicle right every single component and the weight that it adds onto the vehicle is kind of designed and that was exactly the example that anupam was giving with that whole bajaj chetak with the uh, rear car uh uh ria we stepney which yeah. stepney stepney sorry my bad the stepney the stepney uh now it was designed to be fitted there and that is what the engineers actually did right now oh, yes you remove the you remove the engine you remove you've already given in a disbalance to the whole equation right then you put in a motor then you put in a battery it is still going to be disbalanced it is going to run definitely i mean moment you connect a battery to a motor it's going to run via the controller and via the ecu and the vcu right it's going to run but is that a final frontier i would say that's a jugad innovation at this point in time at least that's my view anupam okay okay i've got a completely opposite uh, view number one the sheer volume of uh, elect- uh, petrol burning two wheelers in the market is huge uh, run into crores and crores and crores so we can't just wish them away and uh, is there a transition in which they can get some form of electric uh, power so a very very cool idea that uh, we are exploring is you leave the engine and the gearbox intact don't mess with it but in the front wheel replace the front wheel with a hub motor and you put in a medium size battery uh, so you get maybe 30 40 kilometers of range and you put in a little bit of clever electronics so that less than 25 kilometers per hour the battery takes the load and the moment you cross that 25 kilometer threshold or there about automatically the self starter fires and your engine starts off and your electric motor hibernates uh and suddenly you have a interesting hybrid uh, two wheeler it may not end up costing too much because you already have a two wheeler right you already have the functional chassis and everything a motor and a medium sized battery and a controller and a little bit of well clever electronics so i'm guessing in maybe about um 12 to 15000 rupees you might be able to add on electric functionality into your existing vehicle and then you've got a perfect hybrid that's one of the uh, possibilities the other of course is perhaps what you had in mind that can we rip out the motor and replace uh, engine and replace it with a motor can be done but uh, i'll definitely differ to devik's views there it is going to disbalance your vehicle and uh, you'll have to do a lot of jiggery pokery to get it to ride well Okay. okay thank you so much okay pradeep thank you uh, anupam quickly we'll, we'll have kalyan ask a question but i had a doubt you know when we do 20 we probably do 20 million two wheelers right uh, every year uh, that's amount sold 17 average between 17 to 20 million um, is there a scrappage policy that you know when next 10 years or 15 years 
the government says that okay you can scrap your uh, two wheeler for and exchange it uh, for you know an ev or something of that sort will that happen is that policy necessary i i, I think that policy is already come in at least for four wheelers uh, yes 15 years 15, or 20 years yes. or something like that yeah Uh, and in 20 years you have to scrap 15 years also some categories hmm. uh, diesels i guess hmm. so that that's already come in um, and so there's no escaping it because your vehicle becomes illegal after that to ride yes um, which is maybe not so good for a country like ours where money is not so easy to come by correct uh, but, but uh, the law is the law yeah uh, but what what you're alluding to is that if you're going to scrap a vehicle why bother to convert it Yeah. well remember uh, you are scrapping a polluting internal combustion vehicle engine hmm. not the chassis so uh, when you look at the certification and uh, devek do jump in on this icats and iarai if they certify your vehicle as electric uh, if it meets uh, their standards uh, then you've got registration which is valid all over again you're not going to ever scrap it that's amazing <laughs> no, you're, no you're you're right anupam uh, in fact uh, there's a company which is based out of hyderabad which did that so so mm-hmm. for every single model of a vehicle that you do you need to get an approval again so i'm just yeah. saying if you're doing it for a honda activa you can only do it for a honda activa 4g if you yeah. want to do it for a honda activa 5g or a 6g or, or even if they come in with 10g you know you'd have to redo it all over again yeah yeah that's right okay that's right. i I'm doing it to my Honda City. Interestingly, we've ripped out the engine and placed in a small motor, and we're chuntering about it on on the campus right now. So it's electric, all electric, is it? Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Kalyan, over to you. Your question, please. Oh, hey Vishal. Hey Devik. Uh, hey Anupam. Uh, I don't have a question as such. Uh, it was just, uh, we are basically into EV chargers manufacturing, so I just jumped in and I'm really late for the uh, event. So uh, no specific question. I just jumped. No no it's amazing you're a manufacturer yourself right so so where are we in terms of ev chargers daivik uh, anupam what i mean i mean there are no subs there are no there is no subsidy for setting up electric vehicle chargers right there's a whole bunch of people who are saying solar to ev you know there's all host of consultants bringing in all these spanish swiss companies setting up uh, setting up businesses based on real estate it scares me sometimes yeah So Vishal, uh, there are some subsidies for charge point operators, but uh, it depends on state to state uh, EV policy. So few states have the first hundred charge point operators for public stations. So they have some uh, uh, like you know requirement and uh, like pol- like they have some uh, what do you call specifically guidelines to run a public charging station. So if you fall under that, then there are some subsidies for it as well, twenty percent uh, into the manufacturing sector and as the charge charge point operator as well. So you manufacture also Kalyan? Yeah, basically. So yeah, like manufacturers in India, there is nobody who manufactures manufactures, mm-hmm. but yeah, we do the same process. We assemble. Okay, Anupam, over to you. But the interesting thing there, uh, Kalyan, uh, is that charges are not very complex uh, piece of uh, kit. Uh, once you are able to interface with the battery management system and understand the state of charge in the battery. then it's your standard basically charger so uh, and you know most of the kids who can work with iot iot enablement and uh, cloud connected devices are able to get those interfaces right very very quickly and the chargers per se are well understood because uh, 
India makes chargers, right? We've got batteries. Every vehicle's got a battery and a charger. So um, unless you're talking about super big chargers for electric buses and and trucks and Teslas, most of the other chargers, uh, India has the capability today to start completely making grounds up, except for the chips, the complete damn charger. Yes, yes. Um, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, Anupam. Yeah, Anupam. Uh, what you said, what you said is true. But again, like what I said before, anything that looks simple is the most complicated thing to do. And it's the same with uh, Kalyan. I've known Kal- I've known uh, Kalyan for a while, and he has this company called Vidyut. Vidyut, you should also meet. Uh, sorry, Kalyan, you should also meet Anupam. They have an extremely great platform uh, for startups called iCreate. That said, AC charging is the simplest, but the protocols is what the challenge is. They have something called the OCCP, and that you'd have to comply to that. That's where the challenge is. DC, even if you're looking at a small charger, which can probably charge even a Tata, Nexon, EV, and so on and so forth. I mean, I, th- I think that runs up to around about two, two and a half lakhs in terms of uh, an FOB pricing. And uh, it is quite a complex machinery because, again, there comes your efficiency challenges as well. Anupam. So higher the efficiency, the higher the cost uh, kind of starts going up. Mm-hmm. True. True. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with Daivik. Uh, I mean, uh, it is, uh, it is, we're not reinventing the wheel. The wheel already exists. But the protocols to uh, run a public charging station or the charge point operator is quite complex. Uh, and we are building up the capability. We just entered the market. There are a lot of players already. So, yeah, I see a lot of future uh, charging going to wireless and a lot of uh, innovation into it. Anupam, where the energy requirement uh, will probably be what what are the different types of energy requirements that will come in it'll probably be solar thermal hydro what what are we going to look at a combination of the three uh, where is that going to play out yeah one praise that it's more and more solar and wind that goes into this because uh, you know why are we moving towards electric vehicles just because it's good technology it's glamorous everybody and their aunt are doing it or do we want to help heal the earth, you know, make it a better place, climate-wise. If that is the holy grail, then we don't want to use, burn coal, generate electricity, and then drive an electric vehicle. Because that energy equation is far less efficient than simply burning petrol. So if you're going to burn coal, make electricity, and then ride an EV, we should not ride EVs. Period. So therefore, more and more renewables need to come in. Uh, maybe hydrogen needs to be explored as an option. Maybe even ammonia needs to be explored as an option. Ammonia you can simply burn in your tank. Uh, and ammonia you can make in factories. Uh, so you don't even need to change the engine. So there are many, many things, but we must not lose sight of the target. That it is for the climate, it's for the planet Earth that we are doing EVs, not because it's new technology or not because everybody is doing it. Okay, fantastic. Guys, uh, it's already been an hour and 10 minutes. Uh, if there are any more questions, please raise your hands now. Otherwise, you know, we have to call it a close. It's been an amazing discussion. So you've got exactly a minute to raise your hands for a few more questions. Uh, you know, I'm really interested in knowing, Anupam, uh, Daivik, well, you know, where are we in terms of the rare earths? Uh, what, what are the geopolitics that's going to play a major role in this? Okay, wait, wait. Before you answer that question, we've got uh, Raghu Virus come in. Raghu, over to you. Please ask a question, please. Go on. Yeah, so I was 
and I create startups. Orita Bikes is ours. I am very glad to Anupam sir and want to tell the Globos community that we have been raised for the past three years from ideation. So my query was very simple. How, how do you see creating purpose-built vehicles? Because in EV, what we feel was application is something which is driving the you know, mass, mass audience, like something made for a very specific delivery segment, very specific cold storage segment, hot hot chain hot food delivery chains or something made for street cart use cases so how do you see creating purpose built vehicles compared to volos and others who are making uh, personal mobility vehicles devik uh, you have a view on that sure anupam uh, ragu i mean uh, raguveer i think it's a great question i mean uh, purpose built vehicles are the right way to go uh, when i say that i'll tell you i'll even tell you my my journey story as well right we were in the b2c space we kind of we are building purpose built vehicles for the b2b delivery fleet so we're not even concentrating on what the world is walking towards which is the b2c side we're extremely focused on building the whole b2b stack and i mean that's where the order book volumes that we have uh, is a, is uh, a proof to the fact that you know that's time well spent also coming besides this you know uh, if you've gone to the airport you've seen those studs right the the ones which move the aircraft around that is one of the best purpose built vehicles that you can actually do with electric because short burst it needs high torque which an electric motor can give move uh, move the aircraft come back plug into charge and you're good to go so purpose built vehicles is the way that you should be looking at electric vehicles you should identify your uh, strengths and you know probably build it to that yeah i hope uh, i was yeah, uh, i i also agree with uh, with you devik i think uh, where you add most value to a user is where they'll be happy to pay you a premium on your pricing and purpose built is exactly that huge amount of value for my requirement for my need so but don't get trapped into niche segments you know very small ones because everybody's got their own unique little ask so if you broad base if you can identify a yeah. big enough segment then then you're in with a good opportunity in this case they'd be selling to corporate right anupam i mean the use cases i mean for example there three wheelers right in this country uh, many of the oems want to have uh, electric three wheelers right i mean is that is that something where you'd say it'll be purpose built for a specific client and you have a broad range saying within categories we can offer you specific built solutions yeah purpose bill can be as innocent as the newspaper delivery wala right mm-hmm. so it, it, they use scooters they use bicycles they use motorcycles and it's always very scary watching them uh, go early in the morning mm. it's not very difficult to create a system where you can neatly stack a lot of newspapers the way they want in two three four different buckets and then off you go um you don't even have to worry about cold cases and hot cases uh so the number of use cases where commercially electric vehicles can be used is really phenomenal okay i think there aren't any more questions uh, anupam just just the urgency of the thing i want i want both of you to conclude on the fact that obviously we're in a very revolutionary time uh, where a uh, starting point we are actually going from the zero to one kind of scenario uh it, it's like a very early automobile gasoline automobile story in from the indian context which is what the ev industry is looking at 
uh, with several ecosystems that have to come together, starting from university and ideas uh, to funding to manufacturing. Uh, the urgency in terms of geopolitics, the race for talent, uh, where are where does India stand today? I know you gave a positive outlook. I'd love you to conclude saying in this positive outlook, how global can India think about envisioning subcomponent level innovation for the world? Point number one, the world strategically is looking for alternates to centralized supply chains. Beautiful. It's not just China, right? So Beautiful. that alternate capability India does offer because it's got depth of talent. It's got depth of man- manufacturing ability. And the world understands that this is something that India can manufacture and give and provide. So therefore, uh, geopolitically, and we're not even talking about uh, lithium and neodymium and all of that stuff. You just do uh, simple stuff that can be done. And we've got a huge possibility. That's a great answer. Daivik, your concluding thoughts. Uh, sorry, sorry, Vishal. I was unmuted and started to talk. Uh, no, no problem. No, I, no I, I, I think the battle is just about begun. Uh, we we do we definitely do have challenges if you look at it uh, from your ores which goes into your cells whether be it lithium carbonate whether be it manganese whether be it cobalt whether be it uh, nickel uh, there are challenges when you talk about it at a cell level there are challenges when you talk about it at a magnet uh, I mean uh, uh, magnets which is neomedium uh, which goes into your motors but because of these challenges is where I feel that we're going to innovate. Right. So, so I mean, I think like a platform like I create, which clearly identifies that this is the need and, you know, steer or help startups to kind of look at alternative technologies. I think that's the need of the hour right now. Okay. Okay, great. Okay. My two cents in this entire, I want to summarize that ideas are what make a nation. Unless you try, you know, you can't go crack it. The ecosystem is there to support you. I think entrepreneurs should not be shy to collaborate. Right. And places like iCreate can enable you to scale patiently and give you guidance to connect to the right network. And having a network is very important. I would suggest entrepreneurs who are in the sciences side, you know, collaborate with others who can become co-founders to create a network for you. Right. Uh, And iCreate is a specific place where you could do so. They're running a challenge called Evangelize. Right. And applications are open. And if you want advice, obviously, you can reach out to Entrepreneurs such as Daivik were pretty open uh, to share their knowledge. I must thank uh, iCreate for organizing this. I must thank uh, the Evangelize 2021 competition to be organizing this. And I'd like to thank Shamana, Archana, Rajiv and others for bringing us together. By the way, I'm Vishal Krishna, the founder of TheUpstreamLife.com, a podcast that focuses on business transformation in India. And I hope to host any of you entrepreneurs who need support from my voice. Happy to be part of it. I'm available on LinkedIn. My number is double nine zero two zero five four triple two. Double nine zero two zero five four triple two. Thank you very much, Anupam Daivik. And I shall call this panel a close. Thanks for a lovely moderation, Vishal. Totally enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Daivik and uh, Shabna and Payal. Thanks a lot. David, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, from, uh, thanks Anupam. It was great uh, being a part of this whole thing. Uh, I wish I gave all the very best. And I think, like I said, 
this is the need of the hour and you guys have come in at the right time thanks anupam thanks, thanks. vishal all the best i create bye guys have a good night wherever you are stay safe bye bye